Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, and um, hopefully you feel encouraged at your time of worship. Um, my name's Tyler Hardy. If you haven't been here before, I'm the senior pastor here at Antioch, and uh, last week if you came, you got the privilege to hear Chris, and uh, just incredible message, and um, you know, today we're going to be jumping into a new series, but before we get into that, I just want to bring you into my, um, to my private world, okay? So I would, I've said oftentimes um, that, uh, uh, that in another life, I would choose to be a hobbit, okay? I'm obviously not a hobbit, and I know they don't really exist, but the idea of getting to have your own little garden, your little plot of land, where you just kind of get to hide out in the hills, and everything's kind of simple, you don't do a lot of traveling, you just get to kind of stay put, I would be categorized as a homebody, right? So some of us, we always get the travel bug, you always want to go somewhere, you're always looking for the new thing, if you don't like get out of Brian College Station once a month, you're like, you're just, you're, you're, you are hurting, you know? Um, uh, and, uh, and I can say that because I'm actually from Austin and went to high school there, and I only go back for the holidays, okay? So some of you go there for fun, I just go back there for family, all right? And so I am a hobbit at heart, and part of that um, is uh, wanting to grow things, right? Like out in a garden. And so several years ago when we first uh, uh, moved here to town, planted the church, we got into our new home, and um, we decided to have this vegetable garden, right? Because, you know, like pastors should have vegetable gardens, right? And so, um, and so we created this little spot, and I was so excited about it, and Ashley and I picked out the right spot in the backyard, and, you know, I went back there, and it was, it was a lot of toil, okay? So I was digging up the grass and trying to make this area. I was reading up on, like, square foot gardening, if you know what that is, you know, where you literally, you're, like, hammer little nails along these two-by-six boards. You form a little deal, and then you run this string across crazy little square foot areas, and it was beautiful. I remember taking pictures, like, man, this is, this is, this is up there, right? There, if there was an award in our neighborhood, I have already won it, and so... Um, <laughs> It looked beautiful, and so we went on through the summer and into the, into the fall, and man, it just, it wasn't happening. Like, stuff wasn't growing real well, okay? And I just thought, well, maybe that's just the way it goes. But then I went out to my father-in-law's place, and he has a ranch out in Caldwell, and he had kind of created a little garden out of nothing, and I'm out there, and it's like, he's got, I mean, gigantor-sized things. I mean, like, these cucumbers were massive. Uh, he had pumpkins. He had tomatoes. He had 30 tomatoes on a vine. I'm thinking, I'm trying to eke out three, you know? It's just, it was unbelievable. And granted, I'm thinking, what did, what did this guy do? Like, I, it's, it's, we have the same seeds. What happened, right? Well, if you don't know about gardening, which obviously I've learned a lot since, is there's kind of three basic components to proper vegetable gardens, right? Um, one would be enough sunlight. Uh, two would be consistent watering. And three would be, you actually have the right soil? So I actually struck out on all three, apparently. I didn't water it a whole lot, as I was supposed to. I put it right up against the fence because that's where it was going to fit in our backyard so it wouldn't interfere with all of our activities. The problem is the fence and the way it was, it was literally right in line with the way the sun rises and sets. And so I never got sunlight because the fence shaded it like all day long, right? So that was, that was a miss. Um, uh, and then on top of that, I just took the existing soil and, till, and tilled it up, right? But, you know, a knock on buying college stations, we don't have the best soil on planet Earth, and um, that soil didn't grow a whole lot, right? I didn't bring in some vegetable soil, right? And so my stuff just didn't grow, right? And I would say that for us, we have a lot of desires, a lot of dreams, a lot of expectations in life. We want things to happen, but there actually is a certain way those things need to happen in order for them to produce fruit, right? 
especially when we talk about in life and God. Like, we have desires, right? Like, we want to have healthy relationships. We want to do well in our finances. We want to be successful in our jobs or at school or in life. But the problem is, if we don't do it the way that God has prescribed, it doesn't pan out. You end up just getting frustrated and jealous at your father-in-law's garden, right? So that's where I was, right? But what I would say is the whole thing with this vegetable garden is because I didn't allow the sunlight and the water in the proper soil, the roots never fully grew. They just didn't take off. I mean, yes, they certainly germinated and stuff started happening, but they didn't fully grow, which means they couldn't really flourish. You know, Jesus talks about soils, right? And um, he actually talks about in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he talks about the same parables recorded three out of those four gospels. It's the parable of the four soils, okay? It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We'll read the passage from Matthew chapter 13, verse three through nine. And he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed. Or, or as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Verse 8, other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear, All right? Now, Jesus goes in to actually explain this whole parable, because if you're confused, the people listening to him were also confused, which is why he explained it to them, right? And so is this really about farming? No, it really wasn't about farming. It was about the kingdom, right? All these parables are about the kingdom. Jesus is trying to explain them in kind of terms that maybe we could understand. And so he talks about the seed, the same seed being thrown down on the different soils, right? So he explains the meaning of this parable. And when he describes that fourth soil that the seed actually fell on and produced grain, he says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. So that fourth soil, what was special about the fourth soil? The fourth soil is actually the one who hears the word and understands it. Now we know that in John 1 it says that, that it literally says that um, uh, Jesus is the word, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Whoever receives the word, whoever receives Jesus, right? Whoever receives him and understands what he's teaching and who he is, all of a sudden you have the opportunity to be that good soil albeit you may produce 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold, but all are producing. So it doesn't really actually matter how much you produce, it's the fact that you're producing, right? Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit, meaning the tree needs to produce fruit. It doesn't say you have to produce 500 apples or 100, but fruit-producing trees. So we need to step into this, into this series, right? We're calling this series Becoming Good Soil because that really is our desire for all of us to learn what does it mean to actually cultivate, to actually become good soil so that that word, so that that seed of the kingdom, when it comes inside of us, so those values, when, they, when we hear them, we actually receive them, we understand them, and they're able to take root and flourish, okay? So that's our heart. The next five weeks, we're gonna help you become great soil, all right? So here we go. Um, in order, though, for us to become great soil, right, you're gonna have to till it you're gonna have to actually uproot some things, right? Which is the old stuff. 
You're gonna have to uproot some of those big, huge rocks that have been buried underneath that ground for a long time. You don't realize until you get that hoe out and start cracking on it, and then it's like, ooh, there's something bigger than that. I gotta dig that up, right? If you've ever cultivated ground, it ain't just this like beautiful little thing. And you gotta put a lot of work in to get it right where stuff can really grow. Which means no one ever said, or maybe people have said, Jesus never said the kingdom is easy, <laughs> right? So like, I just want you to know on the front end, becoming good soil, living this kingdom Christian life is not easy. If someone told you that, I apologize on their behalf. They were lying to you. Um, Jesus actually said, the way is narrow and hard that leads to life. But the other way, it's broad and easy and leads to death. There is an easy broad way, and it leads to death, destruction, and separation from God. But the narrow way, it is actually very difficult, but it is so rewarding, right? It's so rewarding. So that's what we're going after, all right? You ready to become good soil? Here we go. All right, now, um, you know, today we are, uh, we are more or less in control of our image, right? Um, you can actually choose to post or send things through all sorts of different ways today through different apps and social media and, and different avenues. You can actually create your own image. In fact, you can, you can actually post something on Instagram and then 30 seconds later be bawling your eyes out even though the picture shows you'd be really happy. Right, I mean, you, literally could, be, you could be like doing a selfie on the scooter, look how much fun I'm having, right? But then you got the scooter and you're just wailing, right? But, but everyone thinks you're just having a great time on your scooter, it's Saturday. No, no, actually was depressed and crying for three hours. But it's only what we show them, right? We, we actually have the ability to control our image. We can, we can control our identity. And literally over the last 15 years, let's go back to 2004, right? The launching of Facebook. And then what followed that, Instagram, what followed that, a bunch of other different ways we can actually, like, you remember the idea of a selfie didn't really exist, right? So like back in the day in high school, there wasn't any selfie going on. If you wanted to take a picture of yourself and you had one of those cameras, you actually had to develop the film, you know? That's the way it used to be. You dropped the film off. I mean, you had to do one of these and just hope for the best, but no one was really doing that. That wasn't a thing because who's gonna take a picture they can't edit before they sit? It's like, it's like, whoa, that looks horrible, right? I mean, because we all know you can take seven or eight and then it's all pick the best one. We have a way to control our image. And so, we actually can control the way that people perceive us for who we really are or who we really are not. So here's the problem, right? The problem is that because we're so connected to so many different people and so many different personalities and so many different opinions, all of us, about our image, our career, our possessions, our relationships, all that sort of stuff, our likes and dislikes, I would argue that many of us don't really know who we are anymore. We just don't know. You know, like the innocence of a three or four-year-old just getting to learn, discover who they are just at home, like that innocence for many of us is gone by the time we get into college or high school or adulthood because all of a sudden it's been shaped by everything else around us. And we are constantly seeking to define ourselves based off circumstances or other relationships. You know, I would say um, if, if you're wondering if this is really true, you know, what, what happens when we experience failure? when you fail in school, when you fail in a relationship, when you are fired from a job, when you don't make the team, when you mess up that bunt cake you were making for grandma. You know, like, what, what, like when you fail, what is the response, right? Um, when, when things take a turn for the worse, like 
what happens. I would argue that for many people, our actual identity is shaken, is shaken or for some fractured when bad things happen, when difficulty comes our way, when we um, instead start scrambling to hopefully someone else will help define who we are. I would call it insecurity or instability. Um, and our identity can be coming into question over and over, maybe even on a daily basis. And so why are we talking about our identity? Well, we're, we're talking about it because we're actually gonna have to uproot some lies today that have to do with our identity because I just want you to know in Christianity, actually everything begins with our identity. Like everything in Christ. So, you know, I don't know where everyone's coming from. I'm just telling you, I'm only 36 years old, so I'm older than two-thirds of the room, and another third, we're somewhere in the same range, okay? But I'm just telling you, take it from me, if you don't get this sorted out, you will eke your way through life. You will eke your way through life. You will get to a point to where you are throwing everything up in the air, and you're not even sure what to do. And, and, and I just wanna state the reality um, if you don't get this clear, if you don't understand who you really are, not only will you live a life of a rat race trying to please and appease everybody else, but you may come to a point where you think there's no reason to live. And I don't have to tell you that that's a reality. That is happening not just in America. It's not just happening out there. It's happening it is happening in the church and outside the church. It is happening. And I would argue the main reason it's happening is because the identity of those individuals isn't clear. Instead, they've sought approval and success from everything else, and when things start taking a turn, they just say, well, then I, if I can't have it all, I might as well not have anything. That is not God's heart. You know, um, so if you ask the question, you'd be like, why is this happening, right? Why, why do people have like a bit of an identity crisis? Well, um, because the devil seeks to steal and kill and destroy. He is real, right? I know that there's some thoughts out there that devil's not real and hell's not real. Everyone's gonna go to a happy place when we all die. I know there's that philosophy out there. It's not true. Um, and I would argue that, um, that the more you buy into that, that always lead to heaven, the more deceived you are. There is actually only one way. And uh, throughout human history, people have tried to religious themselves or clean themselves up or do enough penance or be perfect enough or, or create all the right things in order to kind of earn their way into God. We'll talk about that in just a minute, but that's not possible. There is no one who can earn it, right? I, I, I would say that like our three common enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Right, and so the world is out there, the flesh is like, uh-oh, wait, that's me right here. Like, oh, this is part of the enemy state right here, okay? And then you have the devil. And all seek to discourage and dishearten us from living the fullness of life that Christ has intended, right? He actually wants us to, um, like, or you, 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 I can put it this way, the world wants us to conform, right? Um, the flesh craves self-glory and self-gratification and self-idolization, and Satan reminds us of our past sins and failures so that we don't wanna move forward. Like they actually are all attacking at the same moment. But thankfully, there is a solution to this crazy attack that is on us, right? There's a solution to us being paralyzed in the faith. 
Because God always has, a, always has a plan. He always has a solution to restore. So he's gonna restore our identity, all right? So here we go. We're gonna look at a passage in Ephesians chapter one. All right, I want you to turn your Bibles there because I actually want you to track with me if you can or pull up the Bible app. I want you to track with us. We'll have it on the screen as well, but this is an important passage. What I'm about to read to you is something that's gonna help us expose and uproot lies, okay? Because the first step in getting your identity clear is you have to know, right, what do you actually have to uproot? What do you have to remove so that you can put the good stuff in, right? Yeah, actually, when you're doing the vegetable garden, you actually have to remove some of that bad soil so you can put in the good stuff, right? And, 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 and then what happens is the good stuff actually mixes with the old stuff and makes it, and makes it better, right? And so what you have to do, you have to, we, we're gonna have to uproot some things. And what I'm about to read to us is arguably one of the longest sentences in world history, okay? I think it's 202 words in the Greek. It's a two, yeah, it's, it'd be called a run-on. I know, so some of you who are like, that's the Bible, I can't believe it, you know, grammatically not correct, you know? Take it up with the Lord, I don't really know, but it's 200 words, okay? So just kind of buckle up, take a deep breath, and we're just gonna get after it. You ready? I'm gonna read through the whole thing, and then we're gonna, we're gonna break down just a couple of pieces in it. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter one, verses three through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, in which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of of his glory, you can say amen. amen. Now that's a lot, okay? I'm gonna tell you there's what I counted was 12 truths in that scripture. Unfortunately, I don't have 12 hours to talk to you. So we're not gonna go after all 12, we're gonna go after three, okay? But there are 12 truths about your identity in who, in your created image, in what you think, no, 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 in Christ. Every one of these is actually associated with in Christ, blah, blah, blah. In Christ is the truth. Apart from Christ, no. In Christ, yes. So I'll just give you the answer to the quiz. Your identity in Christ is gonna help you to make it for the long haul. That's it. That's the solution. You're struggling? Just say, wait, my identity. Where is it? Is it something else? Is it, is it in what they think? Is it in my spouse? Hey, marriage is incredible, but they should not be your identity because they're human and they will fail you, right? You can only put your identity in actually the perfect one, and there's only 
one of those guys. All right, so we're gonna go after three truths, but I'm also gonna highlight a potential lie that may be associated with that truth that you may or may heard of a friend or used to think of was part of your life, all right? So here we go. The first one we're gonna say is this one. The truth is I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Truth number one, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. A lie, you may believe with that, is God withholds good from me. God withholds good from me, right? Now, here on earth, as it pertains to earthly blessings and desires, God absolutely withholds from you. Whoa, everybody got quiet, right? Um, on earth, God actually will withhold from you, okay? But why? Because he's God, first, <laughs> Um, and secondly, because he's wiser than us, all combined. And thirdly, he knows that he knows what we need and when we need it and how we need it more than we know. He actually knows better than you, right? And so um, it's kind of like um, with our kids, right? So with my kids, I have five children. Um, and some of my children this last week already started talking about Christmas, right? So, hey, early bird, right? So they're like, hey, Dad. I think it was just yesterday, actually, when my children said, hey, I was thinking about what I could get for Christmas. And I'm thinking, wow, we are really preparing ahead of time, you know? And this is two months before Black Friday. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good, right? And so my son wants to tell me what he wants. Um, and oftentimes when we go to a store, right, which is why it's difficult if you're a parent to go to stores, right? You know what I'm about to say. It, it, it's because it's like you're walking on that aisle and you're like, no, no. We came here for the blender. That's what we came here for. But on your way to the blender, your kids are like, hey, what about that? Ooh, I like that. And it's like, oh, my gosh, we need blinders, you know. I mean, you need to put blinders in the stores. Just put on blinders in your children. They can't see anything, right? I mean, because there's just like this desire to kind of want all this sort of stuff. And so you can think, oh, am I a bad parent? Because I don't buy little Johnny that Lego he just pointed out. Well, little Jenny, she wants a, she wants a lollipop. Maybe I should give it to her. Man, he wants, a, he wants an Icy. We're over here at Target. He wants an Icy. And I'm not, well, maybe I should give it. I, but what is everyone else going to think about me if I say no to my kids? They're all watching, right? We can be kind of insecure as a parent. But you see, if we think like God does, what we say is, oh, wait a second. I'm the adult. They're the child. They're welcome to ask whatever they want to ask for. They can cry, kick and scream, give me the little you know, pouty face, please, daddy. I mean, all that sort of stuff, that didn't work on me. It may work on you as a parent, and that's cool. But on me, I am like, nope, we ain't doing that, you know? And they'll plead and be all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, hey, buddy, I know it's good for you. We just went to the dentist last week. It didn't go so well. So, no, I'm not getting you the icy today. <laughs> and they're like, huh. but I really want the icy. Yeah, I know, but I'm actually a good father. So I want you to have teeth when you're my age, <laughs> right? So, but you see, but, but we, we tend to forget this is God. Oh, God, please let that girl say yes to this date. Right? Please, oh, Lord, I am, you said, answer the desires of my heart. And she's it, you know. But what if, what if it doesn't happen? Uh-oh. What if she says no? Whoa, man, she's living in sin or right? Must be a reason. 
There's obviously nothing to work on in my department. I'm good as gold, right? Oh, man. But what you need to know is that there is a reason behind why God says no. It's for our good. Okay? It, we got to get this, y'all. He is not withholding from you things because he's like big bad God and just doesn't want you to experience any joy and just eke your way through your life and just kind of come in just pouring in rags, just kind of walking into heaven, just barely, your last breath, oh, I made it. I made it through planet Earth, you know? Uh, some of us have the mentality though, right? Some of us think, oh, really spiritual means I have nothing and completely deprived of everything and I surrender it all and I just kind of hate life but just kind of, right? Those, th th like those people uh, exist and they did exist in the Bible as well and Jesus talked to them a lot. They're called scribes and Pharisees. Right? Their hearts are very cold, very distorted. They didn't enjoy life. They just kind of, uh, 125 things to do today to please God. You know, it's just, oh my gosh, what an exhausting life. But man, if we would know the Father, oh, if you would just know him, that he's actually got his best interests in mind. Think of the Father as that, as just as that perfect Father. And it's, hey, he knows what you need. He knows when you need it. But you know, he's not withholding the spiritual blessings. So we can't, we can't mix the two. We can't say, oh, there's this, oh, that's why well, I don't, because I didn't get the house I wanted, then God must not be good, or God must not be loving. Because, um, you know, if we see that way, it's a bit of an immature mindset, right? And, um, and, and what's interesting is I was thinking about my kids again, you know, switch from the, from the material possessions into spiritual things. And, um, you know, like, if I was to ask you, what do you think my kids want the most from me? Like, what do you think is the number one gift I can give them? And I would tell you, be myself. Because I'm their dad. Like, they just want to be close. In the end, I, if I never got another Lego or another bike or something, they actually would, would be fine if I just gave them me. And just parents in the room and future parents, just remember this. Really, what your kids want is you, not stuff. They, they really want you. It's okay to get them some stuff, but don't let the stuff replace you. Don't let the devices replace you. Don't let the iPads or the shows replace you, because that's what they're ultimately longing for. God is blessing us. He's blessing us with love and mercy and joy. He gives us spiritual gifts. He is depositing things in you. He does not withhold. The fruit of the Spirit is there. Like He does not withhold the spiritual blessings. Just when we get confused with the material things in this world, all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a second. And it's like, no, no, no. I have met people in this life that have literally almost nothing, and they're some of the most joyful kind, loving people, and it puts me to shame. They don't have all the stuff, but they've got something deeper. They got a deep relationship with the Father. God is ready and waiting to give you himself. He's not withholding from you. He's willing to give you his entire nature himself more than you could ever imagine. Truth number two I've been chosen and have been adopted by God. I have been chosen and adopted by God. But a lie we may believe is I am alone and not wanted. 
It's a lie. I am alone and not wanted. You know, Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, we need to not dwell on ourselves, but dwell on Christ. Like, to have that truth really get into us, I've been chosen not by God. Well, who did the choosing? Who did the adopting? He did. Like, I'm the receiver on that end. My identity is clear. If I can uproot the lie that I'm alone and not wanted, which is pretty common, just so you know, if we can uproot that lie and then realize he actually chose us before the foundation of the world, meaning God had an intentionality in creating you and your personality and your gifting and your skin color and where you're from, he was intentional about all those things. He designed you and purposed you in such a way that when you came into this world, man, he would unveil to you piece by piece his plan for you. Just want to say to everyone in the room, you're not a mistake. You're not a whoops. Um, you're not a surprise. Not to God anyway. And you're known and wanted by him. I know there's pain in all of us when we don't feel wanted. It could be a coach and a team. It could be part of a sorority, a fraternity. It could be um, parents using those painful place. But we can't, we can't correct the human nature reality of our fallenness and brokenness, but what you can know is there's a God who is perfect and holy and loving, and he's saying, no, no, I chose you. I chose you. But your part to play is to choose to believe it. If you live your life unwanted and in self-pity, there's no way to live. But if you say, no, no, but God, he chose me even where I was, even where I am. Oh, my gosh, the grace and love of God to choose me in this place. Wow. He adopted me even in my current state. Wow. You know, the reality is that there's um, many in our country who experience this unwanted reality, right, by earthly parents. On average, I was looking up over the last five years, there's between 100 and 110,000 children in America waiting to be adopted. Right? There are many more in, a, uh, in different foster care programs, but there's literally over 100,000 children waiting to be adopted every year. And you know, a few years ago at our old house, we were living there, and the family used to live in this house next door. They had moved, and a new family came in, and we got to know them just a little bit and really got to know their kids more than anything. And um, they had these two younger boys. They had like three older children than these two younger boys. And I would be outside working in my yard and they'd always come over and want to help or want to play and remember talking with them and get to know them over time. And one of the first weeks we were interacting, um, I told them, hey, so tell me about your life or where'd you from? And they said, well, this is our eighth family. And I was like, oh. And it just put two and two together. Okay, these are foster kids. And it was, it was two brothers and they were like eight, nine years old. And I said, wow, tell me about that. And they said, man, this is the best one yet though. And I was like, wow, okay, they've been through eight families. They're eight years old. So just began just, okay, man, how do I love these kids? And I'd be trimming my bushes, and they just want to come help. Come on, man, come and trim, you know? I mean, just they've, they've never been loved in a real way, like by a daddy and loving these kids. And we'd interact with them at times, and, you know, and it was about a year and a half later. They, I was outside again. They ran over, and they said, hey, 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 we got to tell you something. I said, what's that? They said, we're getting adopted today. 
And we were like, and my boys are out there, and we're like, wow, that's amazing. Said, yeah, our family, they're gonna adopt us. Like, we're gonna, we don't have to move anymore. Just stay in a home. And man, I'd be lying if I didn't just start tearing up <laughs> with those kids. And I'm thinking, man, that is incredible. That is so cool. They were just so lit up, so joyful that, that someone wanted them. Finally, but somebody said, hey, we want you permanently. I think some of us in this room don't think you've actually really been adopted. I think you believe you're trying to earn your way. You believe you're in the foster care system, maybe in and out of season. But God doesn't really want you. You may think that God's used you. You may think that he's just got these plans and once you just kind of be used up, burned up, churned out, that is not God's heart. It is not his heart. His heart is his children would know him and to know who they are. You've been adopted by God through Jesus. There's a place for you in his house. There's a place for you at the table. The third truth we'll share before we close here is I am holy and blameless. I'm holy and blameless. The lie that we may believe is I have to work for God's approval. That I have to work for God's approval. I have to earn God's approval. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Oh, what a good verse. <laughs> Thank you, Paul, for writing that one. It is by grace you've been saved. Through faith, not your works, not you earning it, not you doing it all. It's because you receive what Jesus did. Our acceptance in God starts with accepting what Christ has done for us on the cross, his death and resurrection. Um, and it's because God chose us, like we are holy and blameless really because Jesus, who's holy and blameless, went to the cross, right? And this idea, it's, it's echoed in the Old Testament. In Exodus 19, it says God chose Israel to be his treasured possession and a holy nation. The language of blamelessness is used for sacrifices offered to the Lord, which are to be without defect. So you can see Jesus without defect, without blemish. He went and died on our behalf, became the perfect sacrifice chosen by God so that then we could have redemption through him. This is why uh, Paul writes in Romans 12.1, he says, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. But that's after we've already been accepted and made holy and blameless. Do you understand? Like phase one is, Jesus, you died for me. Your blood covers my sins. I can walk free. You have cleaned me inside and out. Thank you, Jesus. Step two is now we get to live as a living sacrifice. We get to now live as someone that gets to walk in those ways to honor and please God in everything we say, do, and think, right? Like, that's not, that's not legalism, to, like, honor God with your words. It's not legalism to honor God with your actions. I, it bothers me so much when people chalk it up that there's sin, being called out for sin, and they say it's legalism. I say, no, it's called sin, Uh, you know, and, and you want a way out of it? It says, confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What great news. 
So when you sin, because you will, probably this week, you will choose to dishonor God, either intentionally or unintentionally. You will get tired and you'll spat off to your kids. You'll say something to your boss. You'll end up keeping an extra 50 cents when you should have turned it back in. You'll do something this week, probably. And you get to come clean right there and say, Father, sorry, forgive me. Listen, my children aren't perfect, in case you're wondering. And what I want them to do is, when they make a mistake, to run to me and say, Daddy, we messed up. Tell me about it. Buddy, I forgive you. I love you. But this is who you are. You're a, you're a boy who's kind, not mean. That's who God says you are. That's how we are. So let's do that. You know how you correct behavior? is by talking about their identity. Right? You, you, don't, you don't just say, stop hitting your brother. <laughs> that, uh, that won't work. He'll keep hitting him, just so you know. Um, <laughs> but what you can say is, um, hey, do you, do you know why we don't hit our brother? Well, why? Well, because it doesn't honor him. It's not showing him kindness. And do you know why that we honor and show kindness? Because that's what God's shown to us. He's so kind to us. He's forgiven us. And we are called to follow his teachings and his footsteps. And so it's not about what your brother did or didn't do. It's about are you actually gonna, are you actually gonna be a son of God here and you're gonna actually walk out the ways he's asked us to walk out? Do you understand? Like when your identity is clear, it actually helps with everything else. You, you, don't, you don't need a list of rule books to apply to your life. When identity is in him, all of a sudden you go back to what is honoring and pleasing to the Lord. I'm gonna invite the band up as we close this morning. I want you guys to stand. <clears throat> and uh, we've got our prayer team, some of our life group leaders, section leaders, make your way up here, just kind of spread out across the stage. You know, this, this last thing on, on holiness is, um, it's really not about our external actions, it's about our inward heart, right? It's, it's about our inward heart. If you remember King David, he actually, he said, Oh, Lord, give us, give us a clean heart. <laughs> like, give me, give me a clean heart. And when you have a clean heart, your hands can be clean. It's, it's not outside in. It's, it's inside out. Jesus came so that, so that our hearts could be cleansed, right? We, he, he said, this is the way to be holy and blameless is actually receive my holiness, to receive my righteousness. And then from there, to then walk out and live in that way. You know, um, Uprooting lies is not easy, as I said earlier. It's not a simple journey. It's, um, it's difficult because it requires us kind of getting before the Lord and reading his word and saying, God, what, what in my thinking doesn't align with this? What in my heart is off? It's, it's actually putting our lives up against the holiness of God. You see, it's not... Um, it's not about comparing yourself to everyone else or to me or to a friend or someone you really look up to. That's actually not the way. There's actually only one person to compare ourselves to and his name is Jesus. Like comparison is actually a good thing when it's only with Christ. <laughs> and that's what he's calling us to, to be people that actually get his truth. And so I know that we just picked out three truths today out of Ephesians 1 and there's many other truths, but I, I wanna encourage you this week, would you at least pick it up and just read through Ephesians 1 a few times and just say, I need this in me because I'm telling you guys, every one of us needs a reminder, or maybe it's for the first time, you need these truths in you. This is what's gonna help shape your identity, not grasping for what others think or what their opinions are. As we go into 
going to worship, I just wanted to encourage you that um, God did not give us a spirit of fear. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. He didn't give you a spirit of confusion for your identity to be confused. He didn't give you a spirit of fear to be always on the defensive in life. No, he gave you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And what he's wanting to say to your heart today as a good father, he's wanting to say, hey, if you will get in Christ, there is power there. There is love. There's deep security. There's deep acceptance. There's deep significance in me, but only in me. And when you get that, all of a sudden, the rest of life can make sense. You can walk out of this place knowing you're loved and accepted, and you have to quit trying to people please. Instead, you're just God-pleasing. Wouldn't it be a lot simpler? He's trying to please one instead of many. <laughs> That's really what he wants. He just wants you to please him. But it's only when you know him. It's only when he knows hard. So I'm gonna pray for us, and as we just go into ministry time, I just specifically wanna encourage you, if there's a lie you're believing, you need to have uprooted today. Maybe one I mentioned or a different one. But if there's a lie today that you've been believing, or you think it's a lie, come on. Come up here and say, hey, here's a lie that I'm believing. Can you speak truth into that? Can you pray over me that I would uproot that lie literally here in this moment, and that God would then deposit the good stuff? He would, he would make me, help me to become good soil so that the truths of God, the values, land and take root. That's his heart for us today. I'm gonna pray for us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. This is who you are. You are in the business of helping our soil. <laughs> and we need help uprooting things today. Would you do it, Lord? Would you expose the lies that we've believed? Would you deposit the truths? because we just want our identity to be clear in you. I just ask right now, Lord, anything that is coming against the identity of people in this room, anything that's coming against that we can come under Christ, we can be in him, that everything goes through him, Lord, I just pray right now that you put away the distractions, that you allow the truth to sink in to us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name.